tell you what, I'm absolutely desperate for like some chocolate or cheese or something like that. But I'm on the diet. I've okay. got it. I've, I've put on like a stone in the last year or so, and I need to. That's no, easy done. I need to get rid. So I'm into. Like saying this as well. Do you know the worst thing is? I just opened the chocolate orange. Oh fuck off. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Jackass, the Swansea City podcast. I'm Gittleth Willen and with me tonight is Steve Carroll. How are you, Steve? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. It's been a while since I've been on the pod, but it's not as if I've missed much, let's face it. Um, Steve and Matt kept you entertained last week with um, a couple of match previews for matches which didn't take place. So we've not actually got anything to look back on in the immediate past for this podcast. So... We thought we'd take the opportunity, seeing as the next couple of months are going to be unbelievably busy, um, to look back at the season so far, to look at what's been good, what's been bad, and how we rate the first few months uh, of the Russell Martin era. So, I mean, we'll do this chronologically. Um, Steve, Russell Martin obviously joined right at the end of the summer after the departure of Steve Cooper. Um we all knew that it was going to be um, a bit of a um, a rough start, that he was going to take some time to get his ideas across and, and get the players used to them. I probably saw that in the first uh, first few weeks of the season, didn't we? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think we, we all said at the time, really, if you appoint the manager less than a week before the season starts, you know, they're going to be up against it no matter who they are, aren't they? I mean, you could have put Pep in charge and you wouldn't have seen the effects of him. I wouldn't have thought straight away either. So I think it was always going to be a slow start, really, wasn't it? Um, I think we, we all said it. I think that the important thing, really, was that we did manage to get a win on the board in the first month. I mean, you wouldn't want to be going into the first international break with only about a point on the board. And we managed to um, to avoid that with a, a win at Bristol City on what was, you know, a great night. I'm sure there'll be a few uh, listening to this that were there and, so night that will live uh, long in the memory of such a, a great atmosphere there that night. And it was the first time we, we'd scored a meaningful goal since the fans had returned. So that was quite a special moment as well. But I mean, there were, you know, in the other, Blackburn was quite shaky, wasn't it? I mean, obviously Stoke gave us a bit of a going over and wasn't impressed with us at Preston. But I mean, at the same time, I think we were, I remember working it out at the time, we had seven games in 22 days, I think, when the manager came in, including the cup games. And Obviously, a lot of players have gone. We'd had some COVID outbreaks as well as we'd lost a few players to that. And you're just thinking, well, in the circumstances, it's not a surprise really, but it, it wasn't a great start, was it? No, it wasn't a great start. But like you said, we, we had points on the board. We had four points from those first four games, for uh, first five games. Not great, but not utterly tragic as well. And that first win against Bristol City was obviously, you know, massively important. Um, and of course, after the Preston game, we saw a couple of late arrivals in um, in in the transfer window. Um, looking back at, at that, you know, the the summer, how would you rate our transfer activity after you know half a season gone now? How you know how well do you think we were, and do you think you know our expectations at the time kind of match what we've seen since then? So that's sort of a tricky one to answer because I think there was a time, obviously, with few months into the season where we probably got a little bit above our station and then we've been brought back down to earth since. But you'd have to say in general, a lot of our signings have, have been good. I mean, obviously the you know the, the signing of, of Joel Pirro, for example, has, has been a revelation. No one could have expected it to have gone so well, especially one former very opinionated director uh, who's had to eat his words on many occasions every time uh, the great man is at the back of the net. I mean, you look at Flynn Downs has been another really good signing for us, really. Um, obviously, and Cham has, has been good when he's been fit. I mean, that has been the only issue with him, really. But you could tell there's a real quality player in there who's probably too good for us. Um, so I think the other Jim, players Jim, Jamie Patterson's the other one. Yeah, well, Jamie Patterson, really, nobody wanted, did they? I mean, you think he's come in, you know, on a one year contract, hasn't he? And, you know, he, he's been tremendous. I mean, eight goals, nobody probably would have foreseen them. Um, that one coming, so probably in the form, probably in the form of his life, quite possibly. Well, you, like, he's he's got to be, isn't he? 
you know, it's. I mean, he was. He's had very good periods in the past. You know, where he's done well for Bristol City and Forest. But you know, at the age of thirty now, he's he's really found you know his his place and found a team that that suits him. And he's you know, pretty much everything he's done since he's arrived has been has been great. You know, so it's um. So I mean, he's he's one who obviously came in and addressed a problem position. But yeah, there there wasn't that much excitement when he arrived. You know, and I thought that was a bit harsh at the time. I thought you know he's you know he's a proven championship player. He you know he he'd not been setting the world alight in the previous years but he was, he'd still been you know perfectly decent at Bristol City um and then but you know nobody could have possibly expected the impact that he's had and the partnerships he's built up with Piru etc um a couple of the others I mean we'll we'll discuss Ethan Laird um later on because obviously we're not going to be seeing any more of him but but Ethan Laird's had um a really positive impact I do think he's been a bit up and down at times but um you know, there's no doubt that he's a very good player, and when he has been on form, he's been absolutely sensational. Um, Michael Obafemi, probably the one that's been the biggest surprise in the sense that he's probably not kicked on. I, I expected a bit more from him. It's just he's a bit unlucky, really, that that Piro's been so good. I don't think Obafemi's done much wrong when he's been on the pitch. He just hasn't really had that many opportunities. He's becoming off the bench more often than not. And not really had those chances. Obviously, he's had off-field issues um, with Russell Martin too. But he's the only one that I can think of that we bought in the summer that probably hasn't lived up to expectations off the top of my head. I don't know if you can think of any others, Steve. No, I think that's he's the obvious one, really, isn't he? Over Femi. I mean, there's I've got my doubts about him. That's the problem. I don't think he's a bad player, right? But you know, the amount of times he's been bombed from the squad and then when he has come on in more recent times, he's not looked so great. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about potential off-the-field issues and it, it just gives me bad vibes, really, I mean, about what's going to happen in um, in the future. So the fact is, you, you can't justify playing him either because Perot has been so good. But there's times where arguably he could do with the rest. But does that guy deserve a chance to play? I, I don't really know if he does. So, you know, that's... That's where I'm coming from on it, really. I mean, the only other one we haven't discussed is uh, is Reese Williams, but yeah. he's not been great, is he? I do have a little bit of sympathy for him because it can be tough sometimes to just come into the team where you haven't played for a long time and you know trying to settle in. So I do sympathise, but at the same time, he's not looked great, is he? No, and but I do have a lot of sympathy actually for Reese Williams because, like, particularly particularly in the last few games, but but throughout the season to a you know lesser or larger degree. Everybody that's played in his position, every like natural centre back, then I should say, who's played in his position has had problems. So I don't think the system is particularly kind to centre backs playing either side of of Kyle Norton um, in that back three. I think they are left looking quite exposed by our wing backs who bomb forward and leave a lot of space. Then they're having to kind of double up as full backs as well as centre backs. So I don't think it's been easy for him but yeah I I would have thought that he'd have one played more of a part this season and two probably done a little bit better when he has had chances he's he has had a few mistakes which have been costly um which you know have probably had a negative impact on his um on his uh um confidence then at the back but on the whole I think you know you have to say looking back at the, that January at the summer window I think on the whole, it was a very positive one, and we brought in a lot of quality um, for relatively little price. We did spend a bit of money this um, this summer, but you know, I think I think so far the signs are that we're getting our, our plenty of value for for that money. Um, and we came back, Steve, three draws in a row, two home nil nils against Hull and Millwall, which were um, pretty forgettable. It has to be said, but then. What I think is the turning point in our season, the away draw at Luton. Um, I'm not sure if I've seen a game of two halves quite like this as a Swansea City fan before. Um, Both of us were up there that day. I mean, it was one of the craziest away days that I've ever experienced with three goals down within, what, 24 minutes, was it? Um, And some... I mean, at that point, we're talking about, you know, defensive mistakes. Reese Williams was playing that day. That was a perfect example of kind of, 
him being left high and dry. I think Ryan Manning was just all over the shop, really, in terms of bombing up the pitch and leaving space in behind. Um, we were just totally run ragged at the start of that game, conceded three goals within the blink of an eye, defensive errors, crowd getting on the players' backs. Um, we didn't create anything in that first half. No real shape, no real understanding of what we were meant to do. And I'll be honest, half time in that game, I don't know if you were the same, um, Steve, but for the first time I was actually thinking, geez, where are we actually going? Is this is this going to work? Because that was so dire. I'll be honest, at that stage, I was starting to have my doubts. Are we capable of of turning this situation around? You know, not just that day, but kind of going forward in the season, or were we going to have to just kind of start start rethinking things? I, I, that, but you know, that that was that was the first time this season that I've actually had that thought in my head. That's pretty interesting you say that because obviously you're usually quite. Um, well, how can I put this? I, I think I'm more prone to come up with something like that than you. But I actually wasn't at that point. I think I was. Maybe partly because I just had it in my head this was a complete rebuild, and as long as we didn't get relegated, I was, um, you know, how can I put it? I was willing to be quite patient with it. I was concerned at halftime, thinking, you know, maybe that we're not making, you know, this is going a, a bit worse than I thought it would, and it might take more to turn it around than I was hoping for. But I wouldn't say I was like overly worried in some ways, like about the long term thing. I did think it would get better, but obviously that that was a bad half. I mean. There are two incidents I can pick up from that half, though, where I look at it and think, I think the penalty was harsh. I don't yes. think he should have given that. I thought he was outside the box. Yeah, and that. And then the Ryan Manning incident, where, yeah, that was also a little bit laughable, to say the least. So That's that still gets shared like all yeah. over social media. It's still popping up because it's one of the memes of the championship season. You know, like <laughs> Ryan Manning having his shin booted to Timbuktu. It's just the most ridiculous. And everybody who was there could see how it happened. But still, the fact that you look at the footage and you see that he didn't get set off for that, and you think, wow, that, that sums up championship refereeing just in, in a couple of seconds there. It was just one of the most ridiculous moments of the season. And there have been a couple of ridiculous moments in our season, to be fair. Yeah, there definitely have been, and that stands out. But, I mean, as I said, I, I was worried during that game. I definitely didn't think we were coming back to 3-3. I remember there was a moment where I think they broke away and they hit the post at 3-0. Listen, it goes to 4. You're thinking, well, this could be anything here. I think I'm on the train back to London, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Um, but Patterson got a golden for a wicked deflection, and then and Chan hits a bit of a worldie, and then a three-two. There's not long left, and you're thinking, you know, maybe we can, you know, we're bound to get another chance. Maybe we can make a draw. And obviously, Perot with a, a standard turn and hit has got in a three-three, isn't it? And well, it was absolutely wild from what I remember. <laughs> we're, I'm probably we're all thinking at that point, can we get a winner? And we. We weren't far off it, were we? We weren't too far off. Yeah, over Fermi rounded the keeper, didn't he? And hit it in the box. It didn't, I think if we'd had another five minutes, we would have won, wouldn't we? But, you know, could you really moan? I mean, it was, I think it's in a way day none of us will forget. I mean, as you said earlier, really, it was, I, I've never been to a game where we've been three down and we come back to three, uh, three. I would expect us to be more the other way, three up, and then you could cock it up. But, uh, no, we, we came back. And as you say, I think it was a turning point because I think then people realised that maybe we, you know, I think what I liked that day was he made a few changes half time, and I think Grimes was went a bit deeper with and Chan from what I remember. And I was thinking to myself, this isn't a bad idea of where to go here because you know if we need to maybe be a little bit more attacking, do it that way, and then you can play over Fermi up top with Piro, Patterson behind, and we we just went for it because that was all we could really do, wasn't it? And I'm not saying that's what we should always do, but I think in you could argue in games where you know we're expecting to win at home, there's no reason why you couldn't line up like that because the Grimes and Downs, um, you know, together can be a little bit cautious, not overly cautious, but you know, I, I think we could go more attacking than that. But don't get me started on the Grimes, Smith, and Downs combo because that's just the most cautious you'll ever see. Yeah, it's um, it's not always been that gung ho uh, watching the Swans this season, but the um, you know, the draw at Luton did kind of kickstart a bit of a. An uplift. I mean, we lost 3-1 to Fulham in the, in the next game, which was, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. Again, some of the defending, you could say, was um, a little bit naive, but, you know, it was um, it was an understandable defeat. We then had a 0-0 against Derby, which 
I guess, was a bit more similar to Hull and Millwall. But then we had another international break and came back from that with probably the everybody's favourite match of the season. I mean, the South Wales derby, it's always a classic. And this one was a bit of an interesting one because neither side had had great starts to the season. Both teams, you know, as, as is often the case with the derby, were looking for a result which would just, you know, alter things. And, you know, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect going into this game but as we've seen so many times before just the swans capacity to raise their game for this particular match and just get what it's all about just unbelievable i mean we started the game off steve um a little bit shaky i thought i didn't think we were particularly great early doors but then you know Jamie Patterson pops up with an absolute stunner from just outside the box and just kickstarts everything else in that game, doesn't he? Yeah, um, I agree with that. It was it was a different game after that goal because I thought we were quite shaky. I was thinking, well, we're not looking great here. I thought they were probably more likely to score than we were. That one moment changed it. And after that, it was just relentless one-way traffic, wasn't it? Um, um, I think 3-0 didn't flatter us at all. It could have been more. Cardiff turned in one of their, you know, these this gutless performance that they seem to specialise in in derbies from time to time. And thank God that doesn't seem to be what we do because it must be horrible to be on the wrong end of it. But one of the great derby days, really, wasn't it? The place was rocking. Um, yeah, as you say, God be the highlight of the season, really. I mean, it always is, isn't it? Unless, uh, obviously, we go up there and win. But uh, will that... Uh, That'll be remain to be seen, but again, we we go into that game knowing we can't get doubled, don't we? And that's always a, a priority. And you know, they're the ones that are panicking as usual. And again, the Swans plays. This is what I love about Derby days: is the Swans. Very rarely, looking back through our history, have I watched the Swans in a derby and just thought, "Ah, oh, do you know what? They they didn't get it today. They weren't they weren't you know at the." They, they didn't give it their all. They didn't show up properly. They didn't understand the importance of the game. Very rarely have I felt that when I've seen the Swans in the derby. Even when we lose, I tend to think, do you know what, we, we at least tr- we tried our best and it just wasn't our day. But, and, you know, again, on the, this season's derby, again, they just raised their game and they really went for it. And little things like the swim away, which just irritated Cardiff so badly, um, you know, the scenes of full time, etc. The joy that they clearly had from, from beating Cardiff just summed up really what why why we are, you know, th- such a great club to support on days like that because it's just it's just so much fun to watch, isn't it? Oh massively. I mean, as you say, it's there was a lot of shit out three, wasn't there, full time, the likes of Ethan Laid, um, I think Manning, Patterson. Even the manager got involved, really, didn't he? So, you know, I mean, if you win a derby, I mean, there's nothing worse than, remember, Dave Jones would always say it's just another game and you're thinking, well, it's not, is it? And obviously, it was from our point of view, it was a bit of a relief that he had that attitude because you certainly wouldn't want our manager to feel like that. But, I mean, it's it's one of those things as a manager, I guess. You don't want to play it up too much, but at the same time, you don't want to treat it as another game. You want to make sure that everybody knows the importance of it and, you know, that as long as you if, you, if we were to win that game, that will always buy you a little bit of extra time on it and a bit of, uh, you know, popularity with the fans kind of thing. And I think our lot, as you say, they, they seem to get it, don't they? Um, the only time where I would openly criticise what we've maybe done in the derby would probably be the first year in the Prem when we lost up there. Yeah, yeah I think I, that I'd was agree. Go on. I, no, I, I, was, I was just saying, I, I'd agree. That's the only time that I thought, do you know what, the players just didn't do enough, didn't show up today, didn't really get the game. Mindset wasn't right. Um, that's definitely the angriest I've been leaving, you know, leaving a derby match. Um, every other time we've lost, I've been kind of in the in the mood to say, even when we haven't played well, like last season when we lost um, at the Liberty to them um, in front of an empty stadium. I, I was, you know, you can't say that we didn't try that we didn't try our best. I mean, we we tried a bit of everything, but we just couldn't break down. You know, they they parked the bus and we just couldn't find a way through. It happens in football, you know, it, it was one of those situations. But, yeah, other than that, Cardiff, well, that game at um, in the Premier League where Stephen Corker scored, 
I can't really think of any other derby games I've been to where I've thought, yeah, we didn't, we, we, you know, I was disappointed in the players for the way they performed, if you get what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I, that's what I think, really. I think that one, I think we played okay in the first half, but then I think the second half was bad, especially after they scored. And I remember thinking, looking at them, the players, and thinking a bit like, I'm not sure you lock it at you. And the worst thing was, that was arguably the best team we'd ever had. And you're thinking, the likes of Monk and Tate would never, ever let us down in a game like that. And you're looking at some of the others and thinking they sort of did. So I think that, that's something maybe that shows you sometimes when you if you become very successful, it can be difficult to have players, can't it, that um, yeah. you know, feel for the club like, like you do. And I, I, think I remember my, my like lasting memory from that game was John Joe Shelby at full time coming over to the away end and doing like the swim away. And I was like, no, you don't get to do that after the performance you've just put in. You've just been rubbish. No, sorry, you don't get to curry favour. Go back to the change rooms. Like You can do that when you win. Fine. But when you lose, no, sorry, that's that's just stupid. You just look like an idiot. Um, as yeah, that's I see, really. you've got to, you can't just come over and try and uh, make it up to us now. You've got to do the talking on the pitch. Yeah, that was my feeling. But thankfully, we didn't have any of those emotions once again uh, this year because we beat Cardiff three 0 another comprehensive derby win. Um, and it's um, yeah, just a, just a great day to look back at and. In fairness, we didn't stop there because later that week we got another win, this time against um, one of the promotion chasers in West Bromwich Albion. In my opinion, Steve, our best performance of the season, we came from behind, having gone down within the first minute to yeah another soft goal, which we conceded through our own, um, our, our own mistakes, but then came back against a super physical team. Um, the kind of team that you wouldn't really expect us to do particularly well against. And we just showed in the second half the kind of quality that this squad has. And, um, I mean, I'll be honest, as brilliant as Cardiff was, I thought this performance was even better. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I thought, really. I think, you know, after a game like that with Cardiff, and, you know, especially if you have a midweek game after it, you're always thinking after the Lord Mayor show and you're thinking, right, we've given everything in that game. You know, can we match it now in this one? I'm, you know, I'm always sceptical if we can. And when we've conceded in the first minute, again, I'm thinking straight away, well, here we go. This isn't going to be a particularly enjoyable evening. But I've got to say, the second half especially, we just seemed to get stronger and stronger. Scored two lovely goals. And um, it was hugely impressive. I remember, I, was coming, I think that was probably the night more than anything that came out of it, I think, you know, we're massively on the right track here. We're, we're not a bad side at all because, you know, as much as I didn't think West Brom were great in terms of how they played, individually, they've got a lot of good players and we did show them up. So that was really encouraging, wasn't it? And I think, you know, to take those six points from those two games, obviously a derby and then beating the team that you expect to be in the top six, I think was, you know, you'd have to look back and say that's definitely the best week we've had of the season and probably the most optimistic any of us have been, really. Oh, absolutely. But, I guess we saw then a bit of a trend because, you know, one one on the th- Sunday, one in midweek, but then we had an away game against Birmingham on the weekend. Birmingham team who I think had lost six in a row going into that game, and we lost to them. And I think this is, you know, we've seen this pattern um, over the season where, you know, that, that three games in a week, our, our players struggle to sustain the form for that third game. We saw it against Bournemouth as well. We've seen it in other games. Um, Reading, I think. It's it's just, there is something, that it it was the start, really, I think, of a clear pattern there, wasn't it? Because that Birmingham game, you know, look in the form going into the game, you would have thought that we were obvious favourites to, to go and win it. But Birmingham, you know, they, they deserved the win. There's no doubt about it. They, it would have been, um, a, a really undeserved point had we managed to um, hold on um, for, for a draw in that match um, and I guess it showed kind of how, how far we've still got to go after some really encouraging results earlier on in the week Yeah I think so, that, that was a poor day, I mean I was up there and I remember thinking to myself like pretty much everyone here has been below par, I can't really think of anyone who who did anything. The only positive was that Oberfemi got off the mark. I mean, we were so poor. I mean, we were, I remember, and Cham at one point, he went to spray a ball and it was massively underhit. Then he did it, then to spray it again and it went in the sand and it was, that sort of summed it up. We were, 
we just always seem to be getting stuff wrong. And I mean, a couple of the goals we conceded were poor, and Birmingham had a couple of other good chances as well to score. And bad day at the office. It, it does happen. I mean, I think if you always said to us, mind that we pick up from three games you, you, in a week, you, you pick up six points. Nobody's realistically going to moan about it, are they? But yeah, we, we didn't play well that day. But I think I just put it down to more of an off day than anything else. Yeah, and, and in fairness, we did bounce back then. We had um, probably our most comprehensive, well, quite possibly our most comprehensive uh, win of the season, the 3-0 against Peterborough, even more comprehensive than the win against Cardiff. Um, and that was followed up then by the 2-1 away win at Coventry. Now, our away form this season hasn't always been great. Um, I think we've only got three um, away wins all season, so it's not been you know, particularly superb. But we went away to Coventry, who had one of the best home records in the division. And it was, this was another result which I think sent a bit of a message about kind of what, what this team's potential is, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting us to go there and win, but as you say, we, we got a good win there. And I think Coventry fans themselves seem to be quite impressed with us as well, which, you know, that's always a telling sign of uh, of what a good performance is. So, you know, as you say, the Peterborough one was incredibly comfortable, probably one of the most relaxing Swans wins I can ever remember because so rare you're, you're in front that early and then you, you get another one by the 15-minute mark and you're three up half-time. I mean, there was no way that was going to turn into the reverse of Luton, was it? So... Yeah, the, but Coventry was was impressive. I think, you know, I'm pretty sure we did a podcast after that and then there hasn't been many of them since and we were feeling quite optimistic probably about uh, what we could uh, maybe do when we went to Bournemouth. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's not been quite as good since, has it? No, um, I mean, you went down to Bournemouth. I think there was a feeling, I'll be honest, after, you know, after what happened in Birmingham and the, the fact that we'd won, had two good wins that, that week, that going to Bournemouth away was just going to be a bit too much, but um, I mean that was uh, that that was uh, about as convincing a defeat I think as we've had this season. I think it's fair to say we started off well, and it was another game where we should have had a penalty. Um, there have been many um, Swans, one of only two teams in the division yet to have a penalty, inexplicably. Um, but I mean, Steve, as soon as Bournemouth took the lead. It, it was brutal and 4-0 actually flattered us in my opinion because that, that score could have been absolutely anything the way that we were presenting them with chances. Yeah, it was worrying when, as you say, we started well, should have had a pen. We get it and score. It's a different game. But then, yeah, we've conceded. And then I think the real killer moment really for me was the Solanke goal just after half time. We're two down, we're chasing we were all over the shop when we, I remember like the last 20 minutes, especially just thinking to myself, like, can you please blow up here? Because every time they go forward, I'm literally fearing a goal. And yeah, we, we were well beaten in the end. I, I, I still think we showed more than what maybe a 4-0 suggested purely from the start. It's just that our heads went down then. And but at the end of the day, we were playing a good side. You know, I think most people expect Bournemouth to certainly, even if they don't get top two, it would be, you know, probably in the, the next couple of places. I mean, they'll comfortably be in the playoffs one day, but, you know, they, they were the odd positive from the way that we started in the first half, but you know, we, we were well beaten, probably shown that we do have a fair way to go, but we're not really going to judge ourselves, are we, in terms of our season is going to be a success against the, a side like that, but at the same time, it, it was disappointing, really, that in the end, we, we were given a bit of a, a hammering, weren't we? Yeah, and, and unfortunately, I think... You know, we went into an international break then hoping that uh, we could bounce back same way we had in previous international breaks. Uh, that didn't really happen. I mean, we had a one-all draw against Blackpool, which was very cagey. So one of the goals of the season from Joe Piru. Um, but, you know, a disappointing late equaliser there by Blackpool. We followed that up with a win away at Barnsley, where we absolutely dominated possession. I don't think, actually, it was one of our better performances. We didn't really do much with that possession until we scored um, quite late in the second half. And I don't, yeah, I think that it was, a lot was made of the statistics that, that night about the, you know, the the, the rate of possession that, we, that we'd that we had and the fact that Kyle Norton had completed more passes than the entire Barnsley team, etc. Um but I don't think it was our best performance uh, and we were just lucky, really. The Barnsley were absolutely dreadful. 
And that then was followed up by three straight defeats. It was the first time that we'd actually lost consecutive um, games under Russell Martin. And um, the three on the bounce was um, finished off with a a brutal um, match against Nottingham Forest, really, where we absolutely collapsed defensively in the second half. So, sadly, we've gone into this, um, you know, enforced COVID break in December on the back of our worst run of uh, of the season. I mean, Steve, that that run of games that we just discussed there, is it, you know, a sign of things to come or do you think it is a blip? I think it's more of a, a blip, really. I'm, I'm not concerned long term. I think we are just going to be a bit up and down. I think, obviously, what happened in the last few games was disappointing. I mean, the Forest game wasn't a 4-1 game. We've made mistakes and we, we paid for it. Um, the Middlesbrough one before that, we we had chances. We could have had a penalty again. We got turned down, but I, it wasn't like you know you mentioned earlier the the Hull and the Millwall home games that were both nil nil forgettable, mainly because we weren't creating a lot. Now I think in the more recent games we have been creating and just not taken. So and from that point of view, I'm not as worried because I think the time to worry is when you're not creating anything because then you're thinking, well, we're never going to score. But if you're having chances and they're they're not being taken, well then you're just thinking, well. There will come a time when they are taken, or you just make changes to the team and then um, and go from there, really. But I think there are, we are just going to be a bit up and down. The, the concerning thing, really, is defensively, isn't it? Where we've conceded quite a few goals, and a lot of them have been cheap goals. And you're thinking, well, we, you know, you could have, have all the good play in the world, but if you're going to concede poor goals, then you know you're going to get done, aren't you? So I think that's the worrying thing. And Steve Cooper, for example is the master of teams creating hardly any chances, but taking them, as we know, because we saw it for two years. So that's what happened, really, in, the, in that Forest game, for example, isn't it? I mean, you look at the Reading game, that was a game for me that couldn't really have gone either way. I mean, there was, look at the winner, where the shot has come back out to drink water, he's tapped it in, could have easily gone elsewhere. And I think we had a few goal mask scrambles that didn't pull for us. So as much as we defended poorly in that game, I, I do think it, that one could have gone either way. And we... We could have had something from it, but it's, it's been a disappointing, you know, spell before the enforced break. Um, we can't really say anything else, but we could easily go on a good run after this. Now, we don't know. I just think we are an inconsistent mid-table team, really. And, you know, that's what we're doing. We're having good runs and then we're having bad runs. So let's hope we um, we have a good run now when um, when we start getting back to playing again. Joe, I, I think you've summed up perfectly there. I think... What this discussion that we've had now proves is that we are still a work in progress. I think we've we've known throughout the season that we're going to have ups and we're going to have downs. Um, we're going to have good times and we're going to have bad times. Um, we're going to have some very good performances. We're going to have some shockers. And that's what we've seen, I think. Um, one thing I will say before the break, I saw I saw quite a few people saying that they were you know unhappy with um, the way the Swans were attacking. I didn't think we were good enough going forward. I, I disagree with that. I think, you know, that the, we were creating good chances at the similar rate when we were losing to when we were winning back in October. Um, it's just that we were missing chances. And actually, um, you know, this is a stat that I was um, keeping an eye on. Before all these games were, were called off, um, only Fulham and Bournemouth had scored more goals from open play than the Swans which speaks volumes, actually, about how effective we have been at scoring and creating chances for, you know, good chances from from open play. Um, you know, we haven't scored any from set pieces, literally none from set pieces, so there's definitely room to work on there. But in terms of our, um, you know, what, what we do when we're in possession, I don't think there's too much need for change there. I think we're doing pretty well, and we've got players like Piru and Patterson um, and others pitching in as well. Um, every now and again, who can score goals and who who will keep that side of um, the scoreboard ticking over regularly? It is at the other end of the pitch that I think we we're still in need of a lot of work, and I do still have my doubts about the system. I don't think the balance is is right at the moment. Um, I think we've we've been shown up in the last few games because I think teams have have gotten wise to the way that we defend. And teams have worked out that actually if they're a little bit more positive and if they take the game to us, then there's always going to be space down the wings um, for them to exploit. And they're always going to be able to stretch at that back three, which doesn't get anywhere near enough support from from its wing backs. So, 
you know, I think there are problems which I'm hoping have been um, looked at during the month that the Swans have been um, out of action. But I mean, Steve, when we look back to where we were at the start of the season when Russell Martin was appointed a week before the season began, if you, I think if you had shown us kind of this kind of season and said this is how it's going to be, I, I'm not sure if many of us would have would have turned that down. I think I I think I'd have been relatively content with what we've had. You know, we've seen a total transformation in style. We've seen some fantastic football, some brilliant um, individual performances, some great games, a lot of great goals. Um, like I said, there've been some downers as well, but I can't say I'm too disappointed with the way the season's gone so far. Yeah, I think I think the only frustration really is that we had that good run and then it's been followed by a bad one. I think if we were probably just a bit more consistently inconsistent, it probably wouldn't feel as bad. And obviously we've had a, a month now, haven't we? to sort of stew on the fact that, um, you know, we, we were on a little bad run. Obviously, we haven't won at home since the end of October. I know that's it's not that bad because I think it is only three games, but obviously it's 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 going to come up to, you know, longer than that in the league, isn't it? It's going to be pushing three months by the time we, we do actually play another home game. So I think that's where the, the frustration more, more lies in. We were probably given that little bit of false hope that maybe we were better than we are, weren't we? But, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think, you know... I think a season where you know we were expected mid-table really, and that's you know that sort of is where we are, isn't it? So you know we're, we're playing nice football, we scored some good goals as you say, and you know the atmosphere has been pretty good in a lot of the games, and I I do think on the whole it has been quite enjoyable. There's been frustrations as as there always is. I mean, fact is unless you support Man City, you, you know every team has got the odd frustration, haven't they? So you know, but I, on the whole, I I don't think there's a great deal to moan about. But we are a work in progress as as we both said, but, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, was it? We're always going to need to, to make changes and you can't do them overnight. So, you know, I, I think we're on the right track. It's just, you know, maybe it's going to take us longer than we'd like, but, you know, that that's football. I mean, you can't always get success overnight. I mean, we, it took us time to build when we had a really successful era and, um, you know, we're not starting from a bad position this time of being in this division. So, you know, we there's a lot to be positive about, I think, but we've just... You know, patience uh, remains the key word. I think, as we've said for all season. How do you think Martin's done since he's um, since he's arrived at the club? I think quite well on the whole. I mean, as you say, there, there is some naivety to him, and if I'm honest, I do share some concerns about the system. Um, I think at times it does leave the centre backs a little bit exposed, and you know, I, I can't help but think if you want to play total football, you are better off having actual out and out wide men. So. Play more of a four-two-three-one rather than, uh, or a four-three-three rather than the system that we're we're playing now. But you know, I mean, this is the way he wants to do it. I think he deserves more time to to make that work. But at the same time, I yeah, I, I do share some some doubts about it. I think we we have left ourselves a little bit too open at times, and you know, it wouldn't be my my start in formation in an ideal world. But the fact is, the manager has got rid of a lot of wingers anyway now, hasn't he? So. I think this is the way that we're going to play, and 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 that's it. We just got to try and make it work and and get better at it. But obviously now we've, and we need to get on to talk about, don't we? The fact that our main pacey wing back, the quickest player in the team, is isn't with us anymore, is he? So that's going to pose him a big headache. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get on to it then. The um, January transfer window did not get off to the start that we'd um, all been hoping for. There were a couple of names that we were expecting to leave the Swans during this month. Uh, Ethan Laird, probably not one of them, um, has generally had, um, you know, a very positive, um, uh, a positive half season then on loan from Manchester United. But um, the news came earlier this week that uh, he'll be returning to his parent club with uh, a view to sending him out on loan to Bournemouth. I mean, none of us were really expecting this, Steve. How much of a blow do you think it is? I think it's a big blow because we don't really have a backup, do we? I mean, if we're going to play this way... I don't see Cal Norton as a wing back these days. I think he's more of a, a full back if he was going to be play, uh, shunted out there. So I'm not seeing him going there. Latte Baudier obviously is, um, you know, he's played in that position not very well, in my opinion. Not that I'm blaming him because I just don't think that um, it, it suits him really. So what are we going to do? That's that's the question. We really, we, we need to do something there because, I mean, as I've said as well, Without him, there's just no pace in this team, and we need pace. We're, we're too slow, aren't we? So we need to look at it um, quite urgently. Um, 
it, it's really disappointing, isn't it? I think, as you said earlier, I think Led, if I'm honest, did go off the boil when we had a little bit of bad form. I mean, I think it was against, um, might have been the Blackpool game, where he just seemed quite reluctant to take the full back on. Maybe, maybe it was Reading, actually, I think it was. I think he, he just seemed very reluctant. It was quite strange for a player that did have a lot of confidence earlier in the season. But, I mean, obviously, we didn't want him to go back. Um, and it's, it is a loss, isn't it? We, we're going to need to bring in somebody, aren't we, I would say? Yeah, I I, th- I think Laird's been a little bit up and down over the season, but his but his ups have been you know superb. Some of the performances, I mean, thinking notably, you know, Luton, Cardiff, Coventry away. I mean, some of these games he was absolutely unplayable, absolutely unreal how good he was. Um, and like you said, the one thing that he does give you is pace. I do think he struggles to kind of maintain his energy levels. I think he. He only has kind of one setting, and that is 100 miles an hour, and that leaves him tired, from what I can see, quite quite quickly. Um, and I think we've maybe struggled to deal with that, partly because, like you said, Steve, we haven't got anybody else to play in his position. Um, so he's when he's been fit, he's been forced to play there, um, and when he's been absent, then. Uh, we've had to play the likes of Latibodier there, who isn't the right wing back. You know, he's not suited. He tries his best, and you know, he he's had games where it's been passable, but but it's it's clearly not a position he's comfortable playing in, and it's clearly not a position that he really understands that well. Um, so I mean, that now the lead's gone, I think it, it's top of the priority list. We have to get somebody in um, who can play that position, who preferably has a bit of pace because it's it's something that this team lacks. And I think it's something which could make a massive difference to this side if we just had those speedy players. I mean, you're looking back to good teams that we've had in the past. They've always had those speedy players in the team that can make a difference. You know, you're looking back to Martinez's team and you had, uh, you know, players like Paul Anderson who, who could just give you that little injection of pace on the wing. You had um, Dyer and Sinclair in the team that went up from... Um, from from the Championship to the Premier League, and then our early years in the Championship, we had Routledge and Dyer there. Jefferson Montero came along later. You know, these are players with pure pace, and they're such a weapon. And then more recently, of course, that season where we had Dan James down the wing, just tearing fullbacks to pieces. It's such a it's such a weapon. It's so so. It, it just it's such a difference maker at this level. And the fact that we've now lost the one player who had genuine searing pace in the team, it's um, it's a headache that Russell Martin didn't really want. Um, one of the players who potentially could replace him, um, there is a chance that he, he's going to be sent out on loan again. We're waiting to see exactly what happens. But Kyle Joseph has been recalled from his loan at uh, Cheltenham. Um, do you think he is going to be tried out in that right wing back position where he was played um, in the cup earlier on the season or do you think we'll we'll see him either stay on as a striker or be sent back out on loan to a different club? I, my guess is he's going to stay here because as you say he did play in that right wing back position. I think it was against Plymouth in the cup and I didn't think he had a bad game actually so that would be quite interesting to see um, and obviously I mean the fact I don't think Oberfemi is massively popular as I've said. Cullen hasn't pulled up any trees so arguably he's going to be considered for both, I would have thought. So, you know, if if he's uh, if he's up to it, then that, that should be a bit of an asset for us. I mean, people are all expecting from him more that he's one for the future, but he might need to be one for now, might he? And then, you know, the other one I'm looking at maybe is, is Jordan Garrick. I mean, he's, I think he's been playing up front for Plymouth. You know, are we going to consider recalling him, do you think? That's a, that's a tough one with Garrick. I mean, because... When a player's out on loan and doing as well as he is, and in a team that's you know challenging for promotion to the championship, part of me thinks, do you know what? Just leave him there because he's clearly developing. He's clearly loving his football down there. He's he's playing a part in a winning team. But then part of me thinks, well, could we use those skills now? You know, why are we leaving him out there on loan when we could use those skills? It really is a, a tough one. The question is, you know, is he going to get games if we do recall him? Um, and I think that depends on where we're planning on playing him, because if we're thinking of using him as a right wing back, then he probably will get games because there are a few other options there. And he does have pace. That's one thing Garrick definitely has his pace. Um, but he's not really been playing much at right wing back lately. And from what I can see, his best football has been up front for Plymouth. And we don't really need a striker at the moment as a pressing concern because Piero's been, you know, 
booting them in for fun. Um, we've got a good replacement in Obafemi as long as he's not, you know, falling out of favour with uh, with Russell Martin. And we've got youngsters, you know, Cal, uh, you know, Whitaker has gone on loan now to Lincoln, um, but Liam Cullen is still there. You know, he's he's third choice. Whether he'll go out on loan, we don't know. But I don't know. Part of me thinks we should probably leave Garrick at Plymouth while he's, you know, in a good vein of form and and developing well there. And I just wonder if his long term development would develop would would benefit more from staying at home park rather than coming back to the Liberty. But it's it's that's such a difficult decision to make. I mean, we yeah, saw. I've got one point on Garrick. Though. He is twenty three years old. Can't yeah. Saying the point on potential, arguably he does need to be doing it now, doesn't he? If he's yeah. not, maybe we should sell him. Yeah, this this is the stage where you want to see Garrick finally kind of make that step up because he is a player that I think a lot of us have been excited about in the past, and he just hasn't been able to push on while you know while he's been with us. Um, hopefully, this Plymouth move is what makes the difference, but. We've seen in the past, you know, was it last season we brought back Brandon Cooper from uh, from Newport County, where he'd been probably the best centre back in League Two, absolutely key to to their promotion push, and we brought him back to Liberty. He didn't play, he got injured, uh, and it didn't. And Newport County's form fell away uh, away as well. Yeah, that was so, a big mistake, wasn't it? Because yeah. I think Cooper, the impression I got was he was barely going to play for us anyway. So I really don't know why we did that. Yeah, I mean, I think we brought him back kind of out of fear the poss- a possible COVID outbreak, basically out of fear that what happens, what's happened over Christmas now could have happened over Christmas last year. Yeah. But uh, I can't think with that one. Couldn't they at least have left Cooper there until the end of the month and then made a decision? Yeah. But, back quite early, didn't we? Because we could have looked at it and gone, right, we're short here, we're short here, or we're not, and then just left him. I don't know why we, we did it at the start of the month. There didn't seem to be a need for it. No, um, but we did it, and you know nobody benefited from it. The Swans didn't get any kind of benefit from him. He didn't get any kind of benefit from him, and Newport County definitely didn't get any benefit out of it. Um, so you know, it's it's not bringing somebody back from a loan where they're doing really well does not isn't always you know the the surefire fix that you think it's going to be. But that's the situation with um, well, I, the the one player that we haven't really discussed there is um, is Whitaker Morgan Whitaker Steve. He's gone on loan to Lincoln. Um, this has been, you know, um, in in the works for quite some time. Lincoln down towards the bottom of League One. Um, they could definitely use a bit of help. Do you think Whitaker can help them out uh, and well keep them in League One? Um, I think it's got to be a, a good move, isn't it? I mean, from our point of view. Seems to be out of favour. Obviously, he's more of a wide player, which we don't play with. So, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good move from our point of view. Hopefully, he plays and and does well, really, because he, he's barely had a look in here, is he? Yeah, and, and Whitaker's still young. I think he's only 21, is he? He's, you know, he's got time on his side. He's got, you know, there's there's no rush for him to develop. Um, but um, there's no, I don't think there's any benefit in keeping him at the club where he's just going to be either with the under 23s or sitting on the sorry sitting on the bench um he's probably fourth choice behind Obafemi and Cullen um after Piru so there's no real point in keeping him we don't play with wingers really either so he's not going to be getting in a space a space in the team out wide let's just send him out to league 1 and hopefully he'll um, develop there build some confidence uh, improve and come back well uh, at a standard where he may be able to challenge a bit more um, well, now that we've got that out of the way, we're going to take the risk of actually looking forward to a couple of games. Now, I know we are tempting fate here because our last God knows how many games have been called off due to COVID, either at our opponents or within the Swans camp. But we are going to take the risk of actually previewing the Swans FA Cup tie against Southampton, which is set to take place on Saturday. Um, first of all, Steve, are you confident in any way that this game is actually going to take place? Uh, famous last words, but yes, I think it will. I think obviously we've had a little outbreak. I'd like to think most of the players have recovered from it now, but I do also think that we will desperately want this game on because we won't want another fixture backlog. And obviously, you know, this game, whether it's on or not, is likely to have to be taking place behind closed doors. We have a guaranteed money from BBC for the weekend's game. They will not want to sacrifice that in the current circumstances either. So I am pretty sure this game will will go ahead. Um, 
Which is a good thing because we don't want any more called off. No. Um, and I've been desperate to see the Swans back in action. It's been such a long time since we've seen it. By the way, only only Swansea, Luton, Port Vale and um, Bristol Rovers in the top four divisions um, have gone since the the 11th of December without playing. So the Swans are one of only four teams who've had the longest run without football in the entire football league, which... Um, you know, speaks speaks volumes really. It's it's been a very long time without without football. Having said that, I'm not sure if um, a game against a Premier League team is exactly the way that I want to return, considering the problems that we had at the back in our last three games before the um, uh, the un, uh, the enforced break. Um, I mean, how do you think we should approach this game, Steve? Because usually. You know, third round cup game, even against a Premier League team, I think we'd expect a few changes and a couple of the fringe players to get an opportunity. I mean, we, we made quite a few changes when we played against Manchester City um, at this stage last season. So we're defi- we definitely probably usually make changes against Southampton. But I, with, with, so much, with, with it being so long since we last played, it, I think we're going to have to try and play a strong team, aren't we? Yeah, I, I think we are as well. I mean, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you know, as you say, usually we we think about making a you know a couple of changes, but the fact is we don't know who's available either, do we? we the club have been very coy in terms of who's had COVID and and stuff like that. So I, I think probably the strongest team available, whatever that is, really needs to play because you know we, we need to build up some fitness again, don't we? Because obviously there's nothing like playing, and you know we haven't played for a month now, so. I, I think a strong team needs to play probably the strongest one possible, uh, really. I mean, result-wise, I mean, it's not the end of the world, whatever happens, is it? Because, you know, I think in a year where there's been a lot of rearranged games, I'm not sure we need a cup run. I was thinking earlier in the season, well, mid-table season, cup run is perfect, but, you know, that was before we had four games called off and, you know, potentially more. We don't know, do we? So, you know... Um, I think we just, yeah, we, we need to try and get some fitness back, probably, I think, and, you know, go from there. But we, we just don't know who's available, do we? No, um, we'll just have to wait and see, really, if the game does go ahead. Um, when the draw was first made, a couple of people pointed out that it's um, Southampton's first competitive visit um, to the SWAT, uh, to the Liberty since that awful night where... Uh, well, it was Gabbiadini, wasn't it, who scored the uh, the goal, which pretty much sealed Swansea's fate and relegated us to the championship. Do you think there's any kind of hard feelings? Does that add, add any kind of extra spice to this game? Do you think? I'm not sure it does. If I'm honest, I mean, I think the reason we went down isn't because of that game. It's because of all the off-field stuff really that had gone on over a prolonged period of time, and it just so happened that they were the ones to put the nail in the coffin from my point of view. So I, I don't think so. I, I don't really think there's there's anything in that. Plus, let's be honest about it. I think if we really did think there was something in it, a revenge in an FA Cup third round game is, you know, that that's not really going to touch the sides either, is it? No, it's not. I mean, you know, there's no real comparison. Oh, relegation from the biggest league in the world. Versus a third round scalp. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not going to be revenge, is it? Let's uh, let's be honest. Um, I mean, so, Southampton, for what it's worth, um, they've been in quite good form recently. Um, if we look at the form table, I mean, they've they've only lost one of their last six games. They haven't. It's 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 one of these situations. It it depends how you read the stats. Really, they've only lost one of their last six games. But they've only lost one. But they've only won once since the fifth of November. They've had quite a few draws um, during that period. But you know, recent results: they got two all away at Crystal Palace. They beat West Ham away three-two. They got a very respectable one-all draw against Tottenham Hotspur. You know, they're they're doing pretty well at the moment, and they look very safe in the table by now. You'd say. Um, so, and, and in fairness to Southampton, if you look back at the teams they put out in the League Cup earlier on this season, they were pretty strong. They didn't make too many changes. So, I think if, you know, Southampton probably can be expected to play quite a strong side. Um, with that in mind, Steve, you know, so difficult to give a prediction. But what? how do you see it going if, if we do play? Uh, they're the favourites, aren't they? Um 
I'm going to say 3-1 to them. It's it's hard to call, really, isn't it? But, I mean, you, you'd fancy them to win, wouldn't you, really? Yeah, I think, you know, when, when you look at the players they've got, plus the fact that we haven't played for, for a month. I mean, the, the only thing I'd say is, you know, we, we don't know what to expect from the Swans because it could be that they come back really rusty and... Um, disjointed and they they look uncomfortable. It could be that they come back refreshed and and full of energy and ready to take the game to Southampton. We don't really know, but I'm I'm struggling to see a situation where we are um, good enough after a month without football to beat a Premier League team who I think will probably put out a reasonably strong side, albeit probably not a, a full strength one. Um, and Southampton have got some good, good young players there. You know, they've, they've, they've got, a, they've got a decent squad there. Um, and I quite like Hassan Hootel. Um, he always seems to kind of have ups and downs as Southampton manager, but I, I think he's a decent manager. Um, so I, I struggle to see how the Swans get a win out of this one. But it is the FA Cup. You never know what's going to happen. And more than anything, I mean, we're just desperate to actually see the Swans back in action, even if it's. Uh, you know, an FA Cup match, uh, even if it's in front of an empty stadium, even if it's, you know, just watching on TV. Let's just get the Swans back in action, please, please. Um, and uh, we're just going to finish off by looking ahead to next week's um, fixture, which surely we'll be able to play by then. Uh, an away trip to Huddersfield, Steve. Um, I think we can probably expect quite a big away following here because... It'll be the first time the Swansea fans will have actually been able to see their team in person since the 11th of December. And with, you know, all the other stadium restrictions, away games certainly take on a greater importance for fans, don't they? Yeah, they do. And to be fair, Huddersfield have put the price at a fiver, haven't they? So I can see that tempting quite a lot of people. Obviously, we've all been starved of football. It's it's a long way to um, to go in general, isn't it, all the way up to Huddersfield? And you know, it's not going to be very warm as it at this time of year. It never is up north, but yeah, I, I think a few more than normal will, will go for sure. And you know, that that can only be a good thing. We need to spur us on to uh, to get a decent result up there. But yeah, I think a lot of people will just be thinking, you know, this is a chance to go to football. We don't know when we're going to be able to go to home games uh, at the moment, do we? So yeah, I I can see about a thousand or so going up there, which is probably double what you'd expect normally. Yeah, and, and it's it'll be an interesting one because Huddersfield, I don't think they've had any kind of cancellations due to COVID. Um, I just look at the team. I think they've played more games than any other team in the championship with 26. Uh, and they're sitting sixth in the table, which I don't think anybody expected before the season started. Obviously, they've they, they, you know a couple of the teams below them have got games in hand on them, but they've had a reasonably good season, it has to be said. Not always convincing, um, as they showed when they came down to the Liberty earlier on in the season. But they've um, they, they've they've been in decent form recently. That's for certain. I mean, they've they've not lost any of the last seven games, um, and yeah, they they're looking like a very tough team to beat right now. Um, and Steve, they've got the new Welsh legend Sorba Thomas in the team as well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Huddersfield looked like to me one of the worst teams I've seen all season, but. That clearly isn't the case because they've done very well, as you say. I mean, yeah, Sober Thomas, I think, has been a bit of a revelation for them, certainly earlier in the season. And, you know, Huddersfield will have their eyes on, on the playoffs, won't they? And then they've been on good form. And I think if you've been on good form and you haven't had your games called off, it's, um, you'd have to say, it's been quite a reasonable advantage um, playing really over the last few weeks. A team like Blackburn will probably feel the same. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, I think Huddersfield will definitely feel confident. Um, going into this and they'll be hoping we're going to be a bit rusty after a long break. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just going to be good for fans to actually see football again. And, and it, I just really hope that the COVID can stay away and that we can move on because, I mean, the Swans, 22 games played so far this season. That's that's four less than Huddersfield. Um, that's quite a lot to catch up on already. Um, so we just want to get back playing again. Um, hopefully they will have addressed a couple of uh, the issues that we saw um, before the break, um, particularly the ones at the back. Um, but, you know, at this stage, we just want to see the Swans back in action. That's the most important thing. Um, 
I know it's, uh, again, the usual caveats. We don't know what to expect from the Swans after so long away. And um, the Huddersfield game is a week and a half away as we're talking now. So a lot can change. But, um, Steve, give me a random prediction. What what do you think the score is going to be? Um, I'll go for my, uh, probably what is my usual prediction, if I'm not sure, of one all. <laughs> yeah, it's typical. it is a classic one all this, isn't it? You know, we we have no absolutely no idea what to say. So I I I too am gonna go one all. That's that's what I'm gonna say. Um so there we go. Hopefully, unlike the last pod, uh we haven't tempted fate by previewing um some fixtures and hopefully the Swans will actually get to play against Southampton and Huddersfield. And who knows? Maybe this break will have done them some good. Maybe they'll come back with some defensive ability and uh, maybe we'll actually be able to get some wins. Who knows? Uh, We'll be back soon to discuss these games and more. But until then, thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 